Hello, hello. Welcome to the Young and Dangerous Show. Well, in this episode, we are very, very lucky to have my dear friend Solomon Tan, who is the co-founder and managing partner of the Red and Orange Company. They are a consultancy and turnaround specialist of sorts. Uh, I'll leave him to explain what it means uh, in, a, in a bit. But I think this conversation with him was fascinating and I certainly learned a lot, especially on like really how to think about uh, business as a process and how to try to hopefully turn a 10 million business into a 100 million business someday. So uh, stay tuned and enjoy the ride. So hi, Solomon. Thank you for uh, being our uh, guest. You are our third guest on this podcast. Uh, thank you for coming on. How are you today? I'm good. Well, um, third, third guest, uh, it's, a, it's an honor. <laughs> nice. thanks, uh, thanks for, you know, um, bringing this to me. Um, uh, happy Friday, guys. Yeah, it's a Friday down here. We really thank Solomon for sharing his time with us. He's really, really busy. He's really flying around all the time. I'm so excited to share some of the work that he's been doing. All right, he comes from a consultancy and turnaround world. Uh, I got to know him actually first. Uh, I heard about him a long, long time ago. We both come from the track and field uh, circle. Uh, he was this legendary guy doing uh, pole vaults, right? And then he's always, always this mythical figure. And then we kind of actually connected, you know, much later on through our passion of cars. And today, you know, we have him here to talk a little bit more about like himself and also the work he's doing. I think it's super valuable for, for us. For myself, as you guys would know, I run like a few small businesses. And as an as a actual business owner, sometimes you're a little bit stuck in the weeds and, and stuff like that. Hearing someone like Solomon share his perspectives from the turnaround consultancy world was really enlightening to me. And I think that that's something that I really like to share with you guys as well. So um, perhaps we can start off with uh, Solomon, you uh, introducing yourself a little bit and your background and how you got to uh, the, the where you're at today. And also just a side note, we are in his office, uh, which is the Red and Orange uh, company. company. And he, uh, I guess you can share with us a little bit more on the history and how it came to this. So uh, th thank you, Yongsheng. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I won't quite say uh, I'm mythical in any sense. Um, uh, was a was a relatively interesting, uh, you know, um, track and field career, uh, and uh, yeah, some you know, small accolades and achievements, and uh, I, I guess the key was uh, you know we we kind of grew up and spent our time in track and field in the in in an era where you know Singapore itself was kind of developing. Um, and growing, you know, as a as a track and field nation in itself, and you know, I had the luxury of uh, you know training with a uh, with a very very good visionary coach. Um, you know, made some uh, you know break ground groundbreaking uh, breakthrough um, in terms of uh, technique, uh, which yeah, I mean, eventually ended up with a uh, yeah, you know, junior record. Um, what 10 15 years ago yeah uh, <laughs> participated in one sea games uh in vietnam uh didn't really win a medal there but uh yeah it was good experience yeah um anyway uh today's uh today's about you know the the about the business about um you know the professional career uh 
I'm happy to you know bring a lot bring a, bring across a lot of the uh, you know experience from my previous lives. Um, started as a started as an accountant in a in a big four uh, accounting firm. Uh, moved on to uh, consulting, uh, primarily focused on restructuring and turnaround work. Um, so you know it was a boutique company. Um, I, I worked in a boutique firm. Uh, we we had presence in Indonesia, Singapore, Hong Kong, and and basically doing uh, work across the region. You know, from China to to Indonesia. Uh, personally, I must have lived in Indonesia for three three and a half years, uh, China for a year, uh, and uh, you know had a op- had the unique opportunity to. Um, you know, follow through a uh, long-time client, complete the restructuring from the beginning to the ending, uh, went on to, uh, you know, work with them um, and help them develop Asia as uh, their general manager uh, and, and eventually, you know, um, making it into the, the C team, uh, the management team um, as an SVP of, uh, of the finance department. Uh, so, so to sum it up, um, Interesting uh, journey. Past, past journey, past <laughs> decade for me, uh, and uh, you know today, uh, you know I founded you know my my current firm, uh, Red and Orange Company, uh, with my partner. Uh, you know we we kind of grew up together. We were both from Chinese High. Uh, I started as an accountant. He started as a banker. We we both um, around the same time worked at our previous firm, uh, but we never really overlapped. And uh, we kind of, you know, asked ourselves one day, um, yeah, you know, what's what's what does the future hold? And uh, we we see the market today as a, I mean, it's a pretty small market. Um, there's a lot of opportunities. Uh, there are a couple of uh, a number of big firms, and um, the the situation is, you know, a lot of uh, SME owners, uh, smaller businesses, basically, you know. Let's call it turnover, ten million and below. Um, yeah, you probably wouldn't, as a business owner, you know, access or you know, reach out to to these firms. And um, we kind of wanted to cater to that space. Mm-hmm. Uh, we believe there's a lot of value to to provide owners out there today. Um, particularly with uh, you know, if you think about how how we started, we 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 handle crises. We uh, you know, negotiate. We understand um, the business forecast, and uh, we we are pretty, We have a very hands-on approach in in the work that we do, and and uh, that sits well with uh, our clients. Uh, you know, we we do not take the uh, very um, paper exercise. Uh, come up with a presentation, fifty pages, and then leave it to management to execute. Mm-hmm. We we. We become management in our engagements and um, you know work together with management to to execute uh, some of the strategies and uh, ideas that we uh, develop I think uh, to to kind of you know uh, some, some of you guys might not be uh, fully clear on the role of uh, consultants and turnaround specialists for example uh, I myself I actually engage a consultant from uh, let's just say one of the the, the, the local um, I'll say the the account. What do I call them? The big four local boys. Not the. Uh, uh, let's not go into specifics yeah. now. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, right. So and then the experience kind of left me feeling a little bit like ah, uh, because you know 
did, did at the end of the day what they did was they gave me like a presentation deck and then a <laughs> kind of list of recommendation and stuff yeah. like that and yeah there's some bits were useful but i think you know right. as a small business owner i think that the struggle is always on the execution side mm-hmm. i mean highlighting problems and something like that is 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 helpful but i think where like for us where our resources are not like a MNC or something like that is is delivering true on executionables and actually driving business results that sometimes is our struggle i think you know uh you you can share a little bit more i think what is really useful for some of uh you guys listening there which i thought was would be really cool for solomon to share a little bit today on as well is on how he approaches uh, a a company that is with a bit of a problem which is what a turnaround specialist kind of do because i think when i first heard it it, it was really enlightening for me because it kind of sets a kind of framework for you to follow i mean contextual you know application is obviously different from case to case but as a starting off point i think it's very useful on how to approach and how to think of this problem set so perhaps you know you can share with us a little bit on on what you guys do or aim to do when for example I come in with a XYZ company and a Solomon uh, I'm in trouble basically I'm in deep shit. <laughs> so where does it go from there? Um I would say uh even though you know we spend some time in the turnaround space um uh where problems typically start uh you know when you are in a potential default or you know already in default um and this the, is for like bonds or loans yeah, with bonds, banks usually, bank right? Debt, yeah. Uh, the work that we do, you know, over time and uh, and, and with the uh, you know experiences that we've acquired, being uh, you know business owners ourselves, having run you know regular businesses on our own, um, is that you know life uh, typically starts you know when a potential client you know knocks on the door. Um, you know, either you're making you're making money and uh, you like to make more, uh, or you are not making enough, uh, or think you're not making enough, and we help you understand why that may be the case. So I would say, um, you know, with the background uh, that we've uh, acquired over the past decade, we've we've moved on to uh, basically cover you know business consulting, uh, strategy consulting, on top of uh, the operational. Um, turn around that uh, you know is our bread and butter so um, simply put uh, we 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 are like business doctors uh, where we identify uh, areas which uh, well if uh, if there are good areas we make it better and if there are areas that are, are weak we strengthen it we mm. put in place processes uh, we look at the team I mean, end of the day, a company is made up of the people, uh, and and we pay we pay special attention to people to processes because that's how a business idea, you know, from the owner, the founder, is carried out, uh, is carried out through the team, and and you know, you know, is uh, is then expressed to the market in terms of a good and a service, mm-hmm. all all service, and um, we we find often at times, uh, you know what. The founder or the owner set up to achieve uh, may not be what is being communicated to the market, or may not be what the market thinks um, they are paying for, um, and, and often you find is is really just in the in the sale process, you know, or maybe some sales tools that the team is provided uh, that doesn't really communicate the value proposition um, correctly. 
so uh, people often ask us, you know, if we specialize in uh, in any industry, um, because they, they 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 would like, you know, um, the that the assistance be provided, you know, to be uh, sector specific. Um, so I would say, uh, my partner and I, we we grew up in the oil and gas and shipping industry. So in terms of sector expertise, uh, that is our core. Uh, having said that, in our previous lives, you know, we've done a variety of uh, industries. We've, we've spent a lot of time, uh, e enough to the extent to say we are sector agnostic. Um, you know, whether it's real estate, manufacturing, uh, F&B, uh, tech, you name it. Um, it's always about the operating framework. So framework is something that um, we'll probably touch on a lot Um in this chat. Mm -hmm. uh, so framework basically means, uh, you know, we take a very clinical view uh, of a business. Um, often the business owners are in the weeds. Uh, is, there, is there blood and sweat? Is there, is there brainchild? They tend to get too attached to certain ideas and certain initiatives. Um, and we kind of help land that very uh, third party clinical view, but yet at the same time, understanding of the practical uh, considerations as a business owner um, and then we come up with our recommendations and you know we help take a look at the business from that perspective so when i say framework um, pretty much is is very straightforward you take the pnl start from the top uh, pnl often starts from revenue and then after revenue you have your cost of sales uh, it gets you to your gross margins and then after that you have your operating expenses which are your typical overheads, your rent, uh, your equipment leases uh, and then you have your GNA, which are your salaries, your benefits, your insurance uh, and then you kind of get to where you know people talk about the bottom line um, and, and pretty much that's what uh, the business owner takes home at the end of the day. Um, looking across board, uh, in, across board industries today, uh, you know we've looked at various uh, publicly available information across different markets: China, U.S., Singapore, Hong Kong. In general, uh, net margins uh, hover around ten percent, which means uh, every dollar that you make, um, typically the the average uh, to better performers are taking home about. 10% of that. So it, it puts a lot of things into perspective when you just look at the, the ratios because for all that work that you did to earn a dollar, uh, you're really only bringing home 10 cents. Um, there's a lot of opportunity to improve that return uh, and you know, then it depends on uh, what kind of industry you're in, whether it's a capital intensive one where you're required to, you know, uh, leverage so interest expenses capital expenditure comes into play or your services business where you know it's more labor intensive uh, uh, but probably generally a better margin if you have a better brand um, or it's uh, yeah um, an intangible kind of thing uh, mm -hmm. kind of like a tech company mm -hmm. uh, where you make an initial heavy investment mm -hmm. uh, come up with a, with a program an intangible uh, an IP and then uh, you know reap the benefits after a certain period mm -hmm. so um, we, we we start the process uh, with uh, our clients in, in that manner 
Um, so back up top uh, from revenue. Revenue is simple, right? You, you like to earn as much as you can uh, from whatever is out there. And to us, uh, that's where life starts for the company. Um, so the first thing we typically uh, look at is we try to develop the sales funnel. So through the sales funnel, um, we identify uh, the, 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 the business's uh, potential targets. So if you are a uh, virtual race platform um, provider, uh, you basically target people that um, are in the health and wellness space, people who, have, uh, who, who, who are interested in that space. Uh, and then if you drill down that funnel, then you know people who run, because you sign up to a virtual race and then you run and you upload your results. Uh, and then maybe, you know, you are, you, you don't run so much, you walk um, and you also, you know, form that part of that universe where these are all potential targets for this particular uh, business in general. And then once you have developed, you know, the top of the sales funnel and who your target audience is, um, then it's about developing the, the conversion, the strategy, the sales strategy. So how are you converting from a potential universe, uh, you know, of 2 million to the current, you know, 150,000 subscribers in your database? So what do you do to get the people from the top of the funnel to a subscriber, a paying customer? Um, and that, that's a very uh, simple approach. Uh, Generally, in uh, in looking at the sales funnel, mm -hmm. you cover your sales process. Mm -hmm. So, what what do you do? Uh, do you do any marketing? Um, what are you doing to increase your universe to get your name out there as a brand? Um, and then, once people have the awareness, what do you do to sell them your product? So, what materials are you using? Are you, uh, you know, are you you are you marketing yourself through digital means, traditional means? Um, is there a manual about the product that you're selling or the service that you're providing? Do you have a sales team? Does the mm. sales team uh, set up appointments and explain what you do? Um, so from the top of the funnel to the middle of the funnel where you conduct your pitches, then uh, continue the conversation and eventually you secure and win at the bottom of the funnel. Then, Conversions. Correct. So it's all about mm. the conversion rate. So mm. between two businesses in the same industry, if uh, you know company A has a bigger target audience, uh, the same conversion the same conversion rate will get you a much bigger user base, yep. uh, which is why it's important to understand who you're specifically targeting. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course along the way, the next step would be, uh, can we improve our conversion rate? Mm -hmm. You know, so what can we do? Uh, do we provide better training to the sales team? Mm -hmm. uh, better materials? Uh, regular updates? Um, better marketing, invest a bit more in marketing dollars, uh, which are the more you know effective marketing channels with better ROI. Mm. Uh, so if you increase the top of the universe, you improve your conversion rate, then the denominator is, is straightforward. You get a bigger subscriber base. Mm -hmm. And then once you get to that level, um, it's a matter of uh, how much revenue you make, you charge. Uh, it's, a, it's a P times Q formula, right? Price mm -hmm. times quantity. So once you've established the quantity, uh, it's about the price. So maybe maybe you have uh, you know addressed the the biggest target audience already. Then the question is, are you charging enough? Um, how price sensitive is your product? Mm -hmm. What are competitors doing? Mm -hmm. uh, so we help 
understand that, uh, you know, conduct interviews, uh, you know, with the, with the customers, um, you know, do analysis of the market to determine, you know, what people, how people differentiate themselves. And by the end of that exercise, which is still primarily only focused on sales and revenue, um, it, it, that's already pretty extensive, mm -hmm. but a very simple framework, logical, uh, there's a method for you to, uh, to drive sales. Mm -hmm. uh, we know specifically where um, the opportunities are to improve that revenue number. Um, I think, I think uh, from, from your the understanding, this is, I love how you're breaking it down from almost like a actual, the PNL layout. So PNL uh, is profit and loss statement for you guys that are not familiar. If you take a look at it, you know, at the very top, if you look at any public company report is, you know, pro, uh, not profit, sorry, revenue, right? Your total revenue and has how Solomon broken it down. And, and this point one is that if you look at your revenue and if your revenue is not high enough, it's your top of the funnel. You got to think of how that funnel all the way goes to conversion. Right, and I'm guessing the next step to it is as you go down, you then you look at operations because then it's like you gotta deliver the product, which is on your cost side, your cost of goods, your your you know operating expense, your your GA, you know general admin, you know all that kind of stuff. That where fills up the second part, which is how you are actually running your company. Correct. So so Yongsheng, as a mm -hmm. business owner yourself, uh, mm -hmm. it comes as uh, first nature, mm -hmm. you know. So. You're right. You're absolutely right. After revenue, um, the next thing in line is the cost of sales, mm -hmm. right? So now you have a product, uh, you got it right. You know who you're selling to. You're selling the maximum that you can sell uh, and you're charging the best price. Then the question to ask uh, yourself as a business owner is uh, how much does it cost me to create this product? So um, in simple, in simple uh, terms, uh, if I'm in manufacturing, my cost of sales basically is confined to raw materials. Uh, anything that I need to develop the product, uh, labor costs, some direct labor costs, uh, logistics maybe. So these are all part of uh, the cost of the sale itself. Uh, commissions that you pay um, the, the team. Uh, or, you know, if you are in a tech business, right? Tech business, the cost of sales would then be you know your server charges, your 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 cloud subscription, uh, and and yeah, which is why you know mm -hmm. if you just take a look at from that perspective, uh, mm -hmm. tech businesses in general are probably probably command higher valuations because uh, cost of sales generally looks lower uh, yeah. than any other brick and mortar kind of business. And um, it's also the scaling factor correct. where your cost doesn't scale proportionally to your the size. When your quantity increases, it's still like a fixed. Uh, correct. Yeah, yeah, it's not your marginal cost yeah. actually doesn't go up proportionally. Correct. So for the purpose of this discussion, mm. let's mm. Uh, talk a little bit more about the manufacturing sector yeah, yeah, where, I think it's where, easier to where the cost of sales has, is a lot more meaningful yeah. and, and has a bigger mm -hmm. uh, thought process. Mm -hmm. um, so when you come to that, um, then it's about uh, what you're putting in to develop your product. So mm -hmm. uh, at the cost of sales level, is is pretty straightforward. It's about the quality mm -hmm. and the wastage. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you are, you know, so today to build a product, um, what goes in? Are you using the best materials? Uh, so I guess you know you can't complete this work without also understanding exactly how you want to position yourself as a business. If you're trying, if you're in a luxury space, uh, selling a premium product, commanding a premium on the price, 
the key question to ask ourselves is am I using um, you know quality materials or will my quality or, or will the final product at least look like you know it is made from quality materials so often people try to get it uh, where people get it wrong uh, and they try to you know do a slop job uh, to improve their margins is uh, they, they may have started you know out using better materials and over time they substitute with uh, mm -hmm. cheaper materials mm -hmm. uh, but what people don't see is that uh, the break the the breakage uh, or, or rather the in, in terms of a car right yeah. the parts break down faster yeah uh, and then you start to lose money through you know warranty expenses yeah. and stuff which are further down the PL. yeah and it um, takes time for that to it happen time. and then when it happens it might be too late because your brand is damaged and Correct. stuff like that and then so, you gotta so there it. are there are consequences yeah. uh, from trying to over optimize your cost of sales mm -hmm. uh, it's often a very it, it's very often uh, what we call a short-term uh, mm -hmm. kind of strategy mm -hmm. where you then de your brand value deteriorates mm -hmm. in the long term yeah I, I think I think definitely something uh, uh, COGS cost of goods sale is, is a big big factor in your cost I think if we move down a little bit right if we look at the operational side because I think one of the things that for uh, SME owners for uh, that they often struggle with it's on the operational front. And I think what you said earlier is, is, is very, very to the point where it's about people, right? Uh, you can talk to all different business owners. They will always tell you, I have HR problems. I can't hire fast enough. I can't fire fast enough. I, you know, people are not <laughs> doing what they want to do, especially for uh, a SME where we do not, do not have a luxury of a HR team or something like that. Yep. And they'll say like people is the biggest problem. Uh, I think maybe we can just you know zoom in on this this a uh, little bit in terms of the operational uh, process and when you go into a company that has problems like uh, how do you kind of uh, understand Ta tackle and the HR yeah, tackle the who's supposed to be doing what and how do you how do you clean that up? So um, it's important uh, that we complete the first part of mm -hmm. uh, a review like that from mm -hmm. the top because. Uh, it's important to know what you're selling mm -hmm. and uh, after knowing what you're selling, uh, how you're selling and once you know how you're selling, then you know how you need to staff your business. Um, so on the production side, you know, if, if we've sorted out the, the cost equation, we know the capacity, how, far, how much to ramp uh, and if we know how much of a sales team, you know, we need. Uh, it kind of sets out the, the organizational architecture in, in that way. Then you, so, it's in, so we, we tend to like to start from that approach because rather than work from the bottom up mm -hmm. um, where we then work with existing setup and then try to fit the setup into uh, a scenario where you know, may not be in the best interest of the business, mm -hmm. we start with what you know, is optimum revenue and optimum cost and then we work our back to figuring out how the team should look like on the GNA. So GNA side is is, is easy. Uh, it's just amount of headcount, uh, the benefits um, that the company is providing. Um, you know, so CPF, your leave days, uh, and and any other frills right that goes along with it. So um, people. Uh, Companies are all made out of people at the end of the day. Um, and if you're in the service business, you know, 
people your, is part your, of the your product. Your raw material <laughs> is your people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and if you're in manufacturing, your equipment, you know, are, are run by people. Mm-hmm. So it's important to know um, exactly what makes your business tick and how um, the people are assets to your business. Skilled labor uh, put in the right place are important. Um, increasingly more today, outsourcing, uh, reducing the cost of labor uh, is a popular topic. Um, so, what are areas on, what what are what are areas in your team today where you can outsource to a to a region, um, you know that that's more cost effective, uh, or if you need the headcount, then certainly you know an an area that. Uh, I mean, which which may involve you relocating your production plant altogether to another different region. Um, so labor loss, uh, empowering the team, this is important. Um, so once we we got the first part of the review right, uh, the next thing we want to do is we want to know how the processes are mapped out for the team. So uh, what we like to do is uh, you know we 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 kind of perform a very simple. Uh, RACI analysis mm-hmm. uh, and that's R-A-C-I correct right? R-A-C-I. R-A-C-I so R stands for responsible A accountable C consult and I inform so what basically what that means is uh, you know in, in the process flow there's always people who are responsible for doing the work but there can only be one guy that's accountable for the work mm-hmm. um and at the same time, there are people that need to be consulted to, to provide input to the process and the outcome. Um, and then there are people, you know, typically at the top of the organization or, you know, your, your colleagues in other departments that need to be informed. Um, so this, this simple exercise uh, will allow us to identify bottlenecks in a particular process. Um, so once we, uh, so if you think about it, from the top again, we, we've identified the, the product, the, the whole process. Uh, now we're trying to fit in the people to, to execute the processes. So, okay, the process could be as simple as, uh, uh, you know, develop, uh, develop sales strategy. Okay, typically that's something that's accountable uh, by the top sales guy or the country head uh, or the general manager. Then for the guy to be able to develop, uh, you know, a sales strategy, he's going to need uh, sales data. So somebody's going to have to be responsible for providing him uh, some KPIs. So what does it mean? Uh, what has the business done in the past week, the past couple of weeks, the past couple of months, a year to date? Um, and that gives him the sense of an idea of uh, what's left for the rest of the year versus budget. Um, and then, you know, what else he needs to do to, to get a hit. Uh, so so that so this is how we built out the whole process in itself. Um, so uh, some some guidelines we we try to stick to. Uh, you know there can be a couple of people responsible for a, a work product, uh, but generally you need to have one person accountable. Um, and and we try to uh, ensure that the hierarchy is set up in the right manner to have that. Uh, and if a process has too many people being consulted, then the process is too slow. Um, for, for a nimble business, particularly an SME, uh, usually you'll find uh, the owner or the CEO uh, no more than the CEO or CFO you know, being consulted for initiatives uh, relating to sales and operations. 
Um, and, and last of all, inform probably just means you know colleagues who need to follow up on your behalf and just needs to know that the work is done. Um, so after we build out the process and we you know identify who in the current setup uh, is best positioned to to carry on which parts of uh, the work, um, what's left over is it tells you whether uh, there are positions in the proposed structure that we need to hire uh, somebody for. Obviously, the first thing um, as a SME owner is, you know, if there's somebody in the team that currently cannot be allocated into a works into a process after this exercise, the question is, are you able to then upgrade yourself and move into that role? Or are you able to take on a different role, which means change of scope and responsibilities? Um, there can be a initial trial period um, and you know, after the trial period, you know, this is not what the employee uh, likes, then natural attrition happens, people leave. Um, so, so this is how, you know, starting from the top, uh, you design the, the organizational structure uh, that's best suited to execute your product um, and your business ideas. And then you see what's, you know, try to reposition the current team to optimize uh, their output. Mm -hmm. um, Often you do end up in a position where there is a surplus. Uh, then I guess uh, as an SME owner, and, and this is a very important thing to stress, uh, you know, our firm provides practical advice. Uh, as an SME owner, you know, you often um, develop a lot of loyalty relationship with your staff, which is why this part of the process is always the hardest. Uh, so we always recommend we try to uh, pivot the employees and if they do not want to pivot into a new role then maybe we need to counsel them out um, and, and often it's probably better that the discussion uh, comes from us um, as a third the party, party. Yeah. Uh, not from the business owner mm -hmm. um, so these are some hard decisions that need to be made mm -hmm. uh, rightfully so you know because uh, very often SMEs are created by you know very loyal teams um, sometimes it's very difficult to, the, for people to recognize that the business is at the level where it has outgrown them and changes need to be made and sometimes uh, if they cannot keep up with the changes then uh, something needs, something else needs to happen which means um, you know jobs may need to be replaced yeah. or made obsolete yeah and that's yeah. the hard thing about the uh, hard things I guess as uh, Ben Horowitz says I'm not sure if you read the book before Ben Horowitz hard thing about hard things hard thing about things I read the preview yeah yeah really good <coughs> really good book anyway so I think this is uh, fascinating as you can see the, the number one thing that stands out to me is you know when I talk to my friends about it uh, this is common phrase right make sure as a business owner or entrepreneur or whatever you want to call yourself is that you need to know the difference between working in the business and working on the business for a lot of us SMEs you know chances are you can get caught up working in the business you're too caught up in an operational role you're too caught up being like the point man where you don't have the time to have that that almost like a helicopter view of things to really re realize what you need to flesh out so I think, uh, for example, the people who maybe a very passionate chef, right? Or ambition of starting their own F&B place, right? The thing about creating great food and experience may be something that's always at the top of the head, but then you 
quickly completely fall apart when they don't realize that the whole like business model and managing people and managing finances yeah, there's, and there's, ma- there's more to running an F&B business than coming ex- up with a dish exactly yeah. and and that that is the one thing that I I feel a lot of the first time business owners and entrepreneurs they kind of face it's great to be passionate about the product or the service in fact I think it's necessary if not it's really hard to go through uh, the difficult parts of the business but I think you know through this conversation I also hope that some of you guys listening can kind of pick it up on this, the other side of things which is that actually uh, frameworks that people because you see people build billion dollar businesses it's not you know we aren't the first trying to build a good business so people have developed frameworks people have developed stuff to kind of help us in our thinking and so it's really really key to to learn the parts that you're not familiar with. if you do not come from a business world and if for example you come from the f uh, you just a chef for example that's the easiest i think most visible kind of uh, example uh, do take the time to actually work on the business in fleshing out all the other necessary components to make a business thrive. One one thing yeah. one thing which you have uh, you know correctly pointed out, Yong Sheng, mm. is um, the billion dollar companies are not built by one guy. Um, exactly, it is very important to hire right, empower the team, uh, and and that framework that we you know kind of discussed earlier. Actually, the biggest benefiter out of. Uh, an exercise like that is the business owner himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I cannot tell you how many times we've been approached uh, and the problems typically always start when uh, the owners, number one, don't let go enough. Uh, number two, uh, they're in, they are very um, passionate about their product, idea generation, creating new value. Uh, pro- uh, proposition, you know, new solutions to solve pe- people's pain points, but they absolutely don't like to touch uh, the the operating aspects of running their own businesses, and mm. and and as a result, create some kind of a hostile environment when when that's not really what they uh, set out to achieve. So these are the areas where, you know, through this framework, we we free them up, mm-hmm. put them in the places uh, mm-hmm. where. They, they, they prefer and uh, are most comfortable in uh, and then hire a lieutenant or put somebody into that lieutenant position to help focus on making the, the other decisions that the owner doesn't want to make. Um, but the key thing is that the owner recognizes after this exercise that this mm-hmm. responsibility going forward is going to be uh, you know from for, with so and so. And when it comes to matters like that, I will not trump him. I am happy to be consulted or informed of the outcome, but I'm not accountable. And that is where you start to see companies fly. And this is what is actually required to make that step from a 10 million turnover business to a multi-million, even a billion dollar business Mm -hmm. because it's really all about people. Exactly. I think this this point is, you know, I'll be first to raise my hand up. There's something that I struggle with as well. So I have <laughs> lots to learn, which is why I'm here with Solomon. And another point is that, you know, for those of you guys in the weeds as well, running your own business, I'm sure you share the same kind of perspective, which is it is sometimes really hard to detach yourself and try to look at it objectively. Uh, I mean, one of my other favorite books is uh, Extreme Ownership by Jocko, Jocko Willings. 
And so he's an ex-Navy SEAL and everything, okay. right? So for him, right, he always trains when he trains his uh, uh, younger commanders and what. I think when you're engaged in a fight on the front line, as he says, you know, sometimes that's the wrong position for the leader, yes. even though as much as you want to join in and, and, and also stand yeah. the line and fight. So he always tells his guys to very simple, high pot the weapon and actually take literally a step back and look around. Because more important than actually being the point man on the fight, he needs to be the one allocating and giving instructions and you know, making strategic calls and tactical decisions on the fly. Yep. And it's impossible to do that when you're target fixated yep. and trying to just you know do that one task when the rest of the thing burns, for example. Yep. So I think that's where, like, for those of you guys who are not familiar with working with consultants or something like that, I think the good ones someone like Solomon and uh, Red and Thank Orange you. Company, right? Is <laughs> that it really does provide a great value in giving that third-party, unemotional, objective kind of view at problems. And I think for someone who's uh, in the fight, is as much as we like to think that, oh, okay, I'm making a logical, uh, unemotional uh, decision, chances are you're not. Because you have too much history, and uh, pride and you know whatever going into it and so that's something that I think definitely uh, 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 where the value comes in in getting a, a third party to have a have a look and I think it's uh, for SMEs um, for the even smaller companies um, who are just, just starting out definitely it's a bit difficult to be able to allocate resources to this um, but for those who are looking to take it to the next level Definitely, it's a, it's a step that I think is, you know... Uh, it's uh, worth considering, um, yeah. for sure. Uh, I, yeah, I think, I think to kind of sum it all up, mm -hmm. um, very often, you know, the best of us, uh, we, we make it and we kind of like super doers, um, you know, because we created the product, we excelled at it. Uh, but for a company and a business to really, you know, excel and transcend the owner the the owner needs to transform from a super doer into a super leader yes and, and, and that's you know what you mentioned having to take a step back and strategize empower let go uh, incentivize mm -hmm. and then let the results take a you know take a life of its own mm -hmm. um it's, uh, it's all part and parcel you know we're an orange company is uh recently set up business is in uh, I would say the early stages even though you know we've all been in this industry for you know at least a decade uh, but we we all run into the same issues uh, and and this is where you know you got to eat your own medicine uh, so you know we we as business owners on our own my partner and I are also really keen and focus on that moving from a super doer to a super leader which means empowering hiring the right people mm -hmm. uh, so yeah you know you gotta walk your talk yeah and I think another thing about so-called being a super leader I think is this also constant self-reflection and constant improvement that you try to set yourself out you know on an everyday day-to-day -day basis uh, I think you know this this uh, uh, conversation. I hope that you know you guys listening in can see uh, how how much back uh, I won't say back thinking more of the thinking process 
that drives into a decision, into a good decision, right? It's not something that you go, you know, oh, I, I think this is great. And then you, you start to go, it should be supported by a body of work at least because that helps you make the right calls. That's, uh, that's, that's actually an uh, important point which mm. we didn't really cover in mm -hmm. the earlier discussion. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we also often find uh, in our work, you know, that the owners will often say, uh, hey, I've thought about that. I've, I've done that before. Mm -hmm. uh, but then they, they can't answer why it didn't work out. And, and uh, you know, part of, part of the execution uh, of some of the ideas that we develop in, in work like that is mm -hmm. uh, we, we try to conceptualize that into a strategy plan, uh, put in place some key metrics, KPIs to track it. So you know if you're going in the right track and you know if you're not going in the right track and you can make a pivot again. Um, and, and that's actually, you know, Yongsheng, you're absolutely right. Um, you need to plan, at least put down some basic uh, forecast about where you expect that to be. And, and then if you, I mean, it's okay, right? You know, nobody knows it all. There are times you make a bad uh, decision uh, that probably the market didn't respond well to. Uh, at least you know, you know, that the numbers are not coming through because of what you did then let's consider another approach. Yeah. Uh, the key is, do you even know it didn't go your way? Or yes. would you have overweighted that outcome and then ended up in a situation where you end up in a loss-making situation, mm -hmm. uh, position mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, held onto that strategy for too long. Yeah. So I think that's another issue that um, we, we deal with a lot. Yeah, it's gaining that self-awareness and being, being you, as you said, you actually need to know was the call a right call yeah. or you know, was it a wrong call and why, right? Uh, last question I have is that I think what would you say is like, I mean, you touched on a few, but what would you say is the biggest mistake you observe for, for SMEs that are holding them back or, or causing them problems typically? Uh, you're you're right. The list is pretty long. Um, <laughs> but uh, I would say if you if you, you know bang off top of your head, you say the most common. Okay, let me rephrase this question another way. What would be the biggest mistake of a so-called a super doer going into a super leader kind of role? I think this one is is a little bit more specific. Uh, okay, I think the super doer to super leader transition. Uh, the key question to understand there is um. Uh, the results and the outcome uh, of what de define you as a super doer, uh, you need to uh, pass that down. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise, you'll be in the weeds forever. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the power of one guy uh, will definitely not be better than a team, mm -hmm. which is why um, it's very important to, well, at least for the business owner and a very key question we always ask uh, you know, our potential clients is where do you see yourself in five years? Are you in this business um, for the fun and love of it? And obviously there's usually a monetary uh, objective um, or are you in the business to you know, create a legacy, hand it over to next generation? Uh, because the work that you kind of need to put into to set up the organization differs and, and it's all primarily revolving around the super doer and super leader uh, transition. So if you're really just in need to make maximum bang for buck, then we will favor and prioritize shorter term strategy work uh, over longer term. 
because then there's an exit. So we kind of set up for that, package the business, potentially, you know, after, you know, recording uh, solid margins, record margins to try to sell on a high. But if you're really there to, you know, grow this into a conglomerate one day, hand it down to your next generation, then you need to put in place right succession plans, uh, have the systems that can guide your, su your successor and the right support levels and the right investments. That means, uh, you know, compromising some of your short-term gains for future, future uh, uh, targets and, and um, is, is important. And, and that, I think, is the biggest issue uh, mm -hmm. most of the people um, do, not, uh, do not get. And, mm -hmm. and it's always the first thing that we try to flush out um, yeah. in our initial discussions. Start with the end in mind, as they always Correct. say, right? Okay. Thank you so much for your time. It has been a, a brilliant conversation. Uh, if people want to look for you or learn more about Red and Orange Company, what do they, where do they go? Uh, well, reach out to Yongsheng. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can just um, uh, DM me uh, through this podcast. I'll definitely hook you up. Yeah, and I, and I uh, presume uh, he, Yongsheng is also going to uh, uh, mention me somewhere and uh, yeah. Yeah, so I will, I will uh, definitely uh, put it in the show notes, the website that you can go to. Uh, also, uh, his, maybe his uh, 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 channel or something like that. I'll, I'll have a discussion with him where he wants to funnel you guys. But if you guys, as I said, are operating in the, the range where you think that red and orange company is useful, uh, yeah, do, do hook them up. Maybe something interesting can happen. Maybe they can take you to the next level of uh, business, which is what we always, always are looking for. What can get us there? So this is an option that I think some of you guys, I know, I know personally some of you guys should be looking at to get you to that 100 million level, right? Thank you, Yongsheng. You've been a, been a great host. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you guys have been great listeners too. Uh, happy Friday again. And it's a special day, Songchujie. So enjoy your mooncakes. This is Yongsheng and that's Solomon and we are out.